Hey there. Welcome to Urban Village Church. You're joining the live stream of our worship gathering. I'm Darren Calhoun, and I'm thrilled to have you join us today. Whether you're a familiar face or new to our community, we're so grateful that you're here. At Urban Village Church, we're all about being bold, inclusive, and relevant. And if you're new here, let me tell you why that matters. First, boldness is in our DNA. We are not afraid to ask tough questions, to challenge the norms, and explore new possibilities. We believe that faith is a journey of growth and exploration. So get ready to dive deep and open your heart to some fresh perspectives. Inclusivity is at the core of who we are. No matter where you're from, how you identify, or what life experiences you've had, you are welcome here. We celebrate the wild and wonderful differences that make each of us unique. You belong in this community, just as you are. And finally, we strive to be relevant. What we do as a church should connect with your everyday life. Our messages dig deep into real life issues, and our times of worship are intentional about meeting you right where you are. Our aim is to provide inspiration and practical insights anchored by the love of Jesus that you can apply to your own journey. So as we continue with our worship gathering, I want to invite you to engage with us right now. Join in the conversation in the chat. Share your questions and share your thoughts or just say hi. After the sermon, we'll sometimes have a Q&A session where you can share your thoughts, ask questions and explore the message further. So keep your phone or keyboard handy. We also have an app and a digital connect card for you to fill out. It's a great way for us to get to know you better and for you to stay connected to the UBC community. You can find the link in the description or scan the QR code on your screen. So let's dive in together. Open your heart, join the chat, ask questions, and fill out the digital connect card. We're excited to journey with you and co-create a vibrant community of love and support. Welcome to Urban Village Church. Church, um, West, and River Forest United Methodist Church. We're so happy to have you here with us this morning. Um, we're going to start worship this morning and singing together. So please stand with us as you're able, and we're going to be singing Take My Life and Let It Be. Um, and if you feel more comfortable using a hymnal, this song is in the hymnal, I believe, 399. But the words will also be
my life and let it be. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Let them flow in ceaseless singing with us. We're going to continue singing this morning, um, sing a song that we actually sang last week, and we kind of ended our service together with this song. So we're going to sing it again, um, just to get more familiar with it. Um, but the song is called Never Once. Um, and this song just talks about that God is um, always there for us, even when we feel like there are a lot of struggles that we might be facing. So I pray that this song um, speaks to you this morning and can provide you with some comfort and peace as we sing together.
morning everyone good morning everyone my name is Chris on behalf of Urban Villa Church and River Forest United Methodist Church I want to welcome all our online worshipers as well as our in-person worshipers to our Sunday morning service we want you to know that we are grateful that you took the time on this sunny beautiful day to come and worship with us um, Urban Village Church is um, I guess our mission we exist because we want to create Jesus loving inclusive communities that unite the city and beyond I said that by myself the first time but we're gonna do it again and you guys are gonna join it because I want you to fill it I want you to be a part of your fiber so let's do this again our church is created to create what Jesus loving inclusive communities Now that's what I'm talking about. And what does that mean? Uh, it means that we are bold and we're inclusive and we're relevant. And how do we do that? Bold simply means that we're rooted in the teaching of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Inclusive means that everyone is welcome here. Um, if you look at our news, there's so many things that could divide us. Um, the migrant situation, what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on in Israel, what's going Gaza, there's so many things that could divide us. And I believe here, we choose to love. We choose to be inclusive. We include, we want to show grace and show mercy to each other, knowing that while we may have differing viewpoints, that should never be a reason for us to hate or dislike or divide, because we actually have more things that make us similar than to make us different. Relevant simply means that we live this out seven days a week. It means that while we may worship here on Sunday morning, this is kind of like where we fill up and we get energized, but we try to do this seven days a week around the clock. Does it mean that we're perfect? Absolutely not. It means that we may fall short, but it also means that we get up, shake ourselves off, and we get up and we try it again. Um, we do have some announcements, and I would like to have Katie Young come up and do our first um, announcement about the, I think it's Adopt-A-Family, the holiday gifts. All right. Hi, everyone. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. All right. So it is Adopt-A-Family time back again at River Forest. We've been doing this, according to Cindy, at least as long as I've been alive. Uh, <laughs> So this year, um, she has some health issues. She's unable to run it, so I will be running it in her place. So just have a little bit of grace as I negotiate how to do that. Um, we have a list of names of families or people. You can adopt a whole family. You can adopt a person. You can adopt two-thirds of a family, half a family, whatever you want. Um, we just ask that the gifts need to be back at the church by December 3rd. So 
get your names as soon as possible. Come see me after church. I'll be hanging out at coffee hour pretty much every week between now and the third, but again, we'll need them back then. If you have any questions, you can contact me too. If anyone online wants to do it, you can shoot an email and we can get you set up too. Thank you so much. I want to thank Katie for that wonderful announcement, and that is an example of how we are relevant, that we don't just do this inside of the building. We actually seek out opportunities to share God's grace and love and mercies to others. Um, I have three more announcements I want to make. Um, in your announcement, there is a correction. When you look at the pantry packing, on Saturday, November the 11th, in your calendar, I believe it says November the 16th, we need volunteers to help on Saturday, November 11th at 10 a.m. Um, for Thanksgiving distributions that will happen later that week. Um, we would love for people to show up and help out. Children are welcome to assist. We just ask that if they're younger kids, that there are adults there that can supervise and help them along. I wanna thank you in advance. I know you guys are gonna show up for that. Um, additionally, um, today we talked about the end Vent Worship Workshop. On November 19th at 9.30, um, we'll be hosting an Advent Workshop here at our church. Um, we would love for you to come out. It's a lot of fun, it's very exciting, it's educational, and we hope to see you guys there for that. Um, if you guys have looked around the church, you notice we don't have a lot of our teenagers here. Um, the teenagers are all at Wild Church today, which means they're doing a little hike, um, so they're doing their own little worship service. However, our younger kids um, can attend church upstairs. So once we finish sharing the piece, they can join Ms. Rena in the back. I think we have a couple of young kids here. And if they would just join her in the back, um, she will lead them upstairs and that will happen. Um, at this point in our service, if you look in the bulletin, there's always a perforated section where it asks for information, a little bit about you. We do ask that you will complete that, fill it out. If you wanna volunteer, get more information. If you want to share information about yourself, tell us how we can pray for you. We ask that you complete this, tear it off, and please put it in the offering plate. If you like, we can do it together, one, two, three. I'm trying to get the fill of the vibe. I know we all got an extra hour last night, but I'm looking around. And some people, I don't think I'm feeling it. So come on, let's wake up. Let's get our programs out. Let's fill them out. And on a count of three, let's tear them, if you would not mind. One, two, three. All right, wonderful. At this point, before we share the piece, I would say that if you look around, we all have different color name tags, green, yellow, and red. It simply, it, it kind of goes with the, the stop sign. Green simply means they feel comfortable coming up to you. It's all right, fist bump. Yellow means slow down, uh, proceed with caution. They may or may not want to get close, follow their lead. Red simply means step back like the red. We shouldn't run that red light. Just wave from afar and let them know that uh, you're glad they're here. Um, at this point, we will be sharing God's peace with everyone. Thank you. Peace be with you, Daddy. Let's go ahead and uh, have a seat.
Good morning, friends. Uh, my name is Christian Kuhn. I'm the pastor here in this community. It is uh, wonderful to have you here with us, too. And let me also just once again welcome our online folks. Uh, it is great to have you worshiping with us uh, today, no matter where you are watching us from. Uh, we, um, during the month of November, I'll talk about this a little bit in my sermon as well. Often in the church, we uh, begin to talk about uh, the potential for financial commitments uh, in the following year and what that means, uh, not just to how we meet the budget, but how we live that out as a spiritual discipline. So every week uh, during this uh, month of November, we'll be uh, watching a video of a testimony. Uh, both we, what we wanted to do was to um, give folks a sense of the other people at our other locations. So you may or may not know Urban Village is a multi-site church, so right now we are worshiping in Edgewater neighborhood, in the Wicker Park neighborhood, and also the Hyde Park Woodlawn neighborhood. And so actually today, all the sites will be watching the same testimony that we are about to watch uh, as well. And then we'll be watching folks from the other different sites kind of share their testimony too, specifically about uh, giving and why they commit uh, to giving in the church. And so today, I first, at least some of you, it's a face that you uh, may remember, Tatiana, Kretzik will be sharing part of her own testimony. Uh, Tatiana uh, moved to Lincoln Park a few months ago, and it takes a lot to take the train to get to here. She doesn't have a car, which makes it super challenging for her to come uh, here on Sunday mornings. Uh, but she still is uh, with us in spirit and still part of our community. So we are going to watch uh, Tatiana's testimony. Hi, everybody. My name is Tatiana and I attend the UBC West location. Over the past few months, I have been away in grad school. And so sadly, I have not been able to come to weekly worship and also have not been able to see all of your faces, which is sad. Um, but I have continued to give. And I think that is because giving is a way for me to feel a sense of investment in my community. So whether or not I'm physically in the pews of UBC every week, it has given me a sense of, um, I, I do feel a sense of responsibility um, to my community. And so I have continued to give, not for, I feel like it's framed in other spaces as like this joy of obedience and obedience to Christ in the church and very serious language. Um, but for me, it has been the joy of other things, very basic human things, like the joy of you feel when you contribute to a potluck <laughs> and not come up to handed, the joy of keeping the lights on in a place that has meant a lot to me and meant a lot to others. UVC has definitely been a place that has created a lot of moments for me to be able to um, explore my spiritual journey, catch up with my friends, eat with people, talk with people, and do so in a physical space, that has been very meaningful. And so I give from a sense of wanting to see that continue and wanting to keep the lights on at UVC, wanting to, UVC to keep its doors open. Um, and so even though my giving doesn't equate with my feeling like I am a part of the community, it does feel in alignment with my gratitude and my um, investment in making sure that UVC continues to be UVC to other people. Um, often during this season, we have uh, asked people to make their uh, um, talk about pledges, which is a word that some people are familiar with and others are not. And really what we ask people to consider and pray about is to think about letting us know what, how might they support uh, the church financially uh, the next year. Um, often we kind of did that in a rolling fashion. So we just kind of said, whenever the spirit moves you to do that, just go ahead and do that. This year we're going to actually really, really uh, ask people to think about doing it uh, on a particular date. And it's really easy to remember. Just remember one, two, three. And that means December 3rd, 12, three. One, two, three. So that will be the day that both in worship and online, we'll be texting people, asking people to think about giving us their uh, financial commitment uh, on that day, on one, two, three. Um, it's, it, you know, churches sometimes really 
can overdo it on the money thing, but it's an important part, I think, of how we live out our faith. And I'm grateful for Tatiana. We'll be hearing from other folks uh, about that too. So um, I ask you just begin to pray about it. We'll be talking, I'll be talking about it too in, in the sermons, uh, but just to begin to reflect on how God might be speaking to you in that way so that we can continue this ministry and so that it can have the impact uh, that it does on others. So I appreciate uh, you doing that. So uh, now Marilyn will be coming up uh, and reading our scripture. different people respond to Jesus's healings. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 men with skin disease approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not 10 made clean? So where are the other nine? Did none of them return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I talked a little bit last uh, Sunday about uh, the candy that we bought for Halloween. And as many of you know, this year, Halloween, uh, we got the trick of snow uh, falling on that particular day. And so um, a bummer about that, not only, as I mentioned that ours is, we have a pretty popular neighborhood for trick-or-treaters, and so uh, sure enough, we probably handed out candy to about 500 kids or so. And so because we have so many kids, we don't go in and then come back out again. We just stay out. Uh, and just it's uh, like a receiving line, and people just keep on coming, and we just drop candy in the bags and everything else that they have. Um, a bummer about that uh, was that this year, because it was so cold, there were a lot of kids who wore coats uh, over their costumes. So it was really hard to see exactly what they were wearing. Uh, there was uh, my favorite, this little kid dressed up as Albert Einstein, which was a first, and he went all out. And so that was like the prize, I think, for me. But one thing I did notice, even though that kids had coats over themselves, so maybe I missed it, but. I did not see as many kids dressed up as Marvel characters uh, as I had in the past. And probably eight, 10 years ago, every kid was wearing Captain America or Iron Man or one of those things. But I didn't see quite as many uh, kids dressing up as Marvel characters this week, which was a little too bad because I thought about, I've been thinking about a Marvel movie this week, or Marvel movies in a particular uh, movie in particular. So I don't know how many of you are like on the spectrum of Marvel movies, Marvel superheroes. There might be some who are super into them, and you know all the trivia and all the nuances of all the Marvel. Is there anybody like kind of like you are like you know? Anyone's going to admit to that? All right. So, <laughs> and then there are others who like have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. You have no interest at all in watching the superhero movies. Is there anybody like that at all? Some people about like that. Okay. Uh, I'm kind of in the middle. I enjoy them. I'm getting a little tired of them, to be honest, uh, but I still uh, enjoy them. And there's one particular uh, part of a movie that has been sticking with me ever since the pandemic happened. So actually, we have a photo, I think, Julia, of this. So uh, this is, um, you may not know, this is a character named uh, Thanos. And so this comes from one of the movies. I'm thinking, I think it's, was it Endgame? One of the, any Marvel? Yes, I'm getting nods. Okay. Uh, this is from Endgame. And so for those who don't know who Thanos is, I, I read, you know, sometimes I do what's called exegesis on biblical passages, and they go into all the details. Biblical exegesis has nothing on Marvel exegesis. <laughs> Some people, I mean, they go into the smallest little details about all of the things. I'm not going to do that today. So I'm going to, this is a very quick.
quick abbreviation of what of who Thanos is and what he is about to do. So um, he is about to snap his fingers. Now you might think, what's the big deal here? Well, he is wearing something called the Infinity Gauntlet. That is uh, what is on his hand. And within that Infinity Gauntlet are Infinity Stones. Now, I'm not going to go into what all that means. All I will tell you is that once Thanos snaps his fingers because he's wearing that gauntlet and wearing the stones, what's going to happen? 50% of all humanity is just going to disappear when he snaps his fingers, including some of the superheroes that you know and love. And so, spoiler alert, he actually snaps his fingers. Half of all humanity just dissolve. They just disappear. They disintegrate. Now, later on, a few years later, thankfully, Hulk puts it back on, snaps his fingers, and they all come back. So, happy ending. Sorry if I'm spoiling anything for folks here. So, why am I thinking about Thanos? Well, this incident where he snaps his fingers was sometimes called the blip. Other times, they also called it as the decimation or the snap, but it was called the blip, meaning snaps his fingers, half of the people just disappear. So why am I talking about the blip? I keep thinking about Thanos, and I keep thinking about this when we talk about post-pandemic life, especially, now this happens in lots of organizations, but also it's happening in the church as well, because it seems like after the pandemic, it seems like there's been a blip of sorts in that roughly half the people seem to have disappeared. Uh, and I don't know exactly where they went. Now, the church is not alone in this. Other institutions have been struggling with this as well. I was reading, there was an article, I subscribed to a magazine called The Christian Century. And about a year ago, a little less than a year ago, the, a publisher of this magazine is a pastor uh, named Peter Marty. And he wrote this open letter to church leaders. Uh, and he wrote this. He said, I am assumed I'm going to assume you're a positive person who enjoys people, radiates goodness, and thrives on hope. I'm also going to assume you're familiar with discouragement. So tell me if I have this much right. Sometime in the last year, you looked out over the sanctuary and congregation that you love, and you wondered, what happened to the people? Why did so many kiss congregational life goodbye? So I, when I read this, I'm like, yes, exactly. And then I thought about Thanos again. Did somebody snap their fingers? Where did all the people go? So we're starting a new sermon series uh, today that we are calling All In. I mentioned earlier that often in November we begin to talk about uh, finances and money, something that Jesus actually talked quite a lot about, uh, and also talking about our uh, commitments to our faith communities. And so this year, this uh, what we're calling All In, we're also connecting it to our core values uh, of our church, which we tr try to do, kind of talk, we every Sunday we talk about our core values. Every once in a while we try to also like, go in a little bit deeper about what those core values are. So we're going to be talking about the core values starting next week. Today what I want to do is just give us a little bit of a sense of how are things in the church, not just our church, but the church in general. What exactly is going on. And for those of us who didn't disappear, who didn't disintegrate, if we are here today and we care about the church, then what is our response? And part of what we are hoping is to kind of challenge all of us, and I include myself in this, is to ask, like, are you in with this? And if so, are you really in? Are you all in? So, I thought about, when thinking about talking about, you know, what is the landscape right now in the church, and I thought about this passage from Luke. Um, it's not necessarily one of Luke's more famous stories or passages, but it is one of my favorite passages as one who um, probably overthinks about who shows up on Sundays, uh, especially as a church planter, when you really are paying attention to who is uh, sitting there in your midst. So today's passage starts off, it's a passage of transition of sorts. The passage starts off by saying, on the way to Jerusalem. So Jesus is often on the move. There's change that goes on, there's transition that is happening, and that's what we see here in our passage today. So Jesus is then confronted by 10 men who have skin diseases, and they are all calling out to him to be healed. 
Now, you may notice in the passage it says that these men kept their distance. You may or may not know there's a reason for this. By religious law at this time, a person who had a skin disease had to live outside the community, and if somebody came near to them, they were supposed to yell out, unclean, 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 so that a person did not get close to them. If they did recover, then they could return to the community only when a priest gave them the okay to certify that he was indeed clean. And that's what Jesus is helping them do in this process, by taking them, having them take that first step and show themselves to the priests. So the thing that I love about this passage is what Jesus asks in verses 17 and 18. So Jesus does this. They realize they have been healed, and then only one of them comes back. And Jesus asks, were not ten made clean? Where are the other nine? Where are the people, Jesus asks. Did none of them return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Now, this is what I love about this passage because, friends, I hate to admit this to you, but sometimes when I look out at, especially in the early days of starting this church, and we would have certain events and not as many people would show up as we would have liked, and I would think to myself, where are the people? Where is everybody? Sometimes at church planning, you talk about having a stickiness factor. Like if somebody comes, you want them to be able to, you have to have a kind of community that's sticky, meaning you want people to come back and stick around for a little while. It doesn't seem like in this passage, Jesus doesn't have much of a stickiness factor here. Ten people are healed, transformed by Jesus. Nine of them go off, and only one of them comes back. This makes me feel good because, like, you know, even Jesus sometimes doesn't bring the people in <laughs> that we want to. But I think one of the things out of this passage, too, and this is something I think for us to reflect on, is it's okay to ask the question where are the people? Where did they go? Was there a blip? And that's where we are in our society today and beginning to wonder that question. And I don't want to go too deep into it because there are lots of answers to it. Uh, people have talked about when you really go about two years of not having that every Sunday kind of a thing, it breaks a habit. It breaks a rhythm. And for some people, that's just what they were in. Sunday morning, most Sunday mornings, you get into that rhythm. You get into that habit. That might be one reason. When that's broken up, it's hard to get back into that habit again. There's just general tiredness because of the pandemic. I was reading, there's, uh, I read a, a tweet uh, uh, last week. This is a very active church leader, and he said, friends, when you've got kids, Sunday morning, getting them to church on a Sunday morning, the struggle is real for that. And so that could be a thing, too. There are some who are just disaffected with church in general, that we were seeing before the pandemic anyway, but now we're living that out. More than one person has told me, you know, I hate to admit it to you, Pastor, but I kind of like my Sunday mornings now, just kind of hanging out. And so I have done my best to think about a place now where I don't, most times, don't judge them at all. And so that's where we are right now. And so... Rather than, it's okay to ask the question and begin to reflect on as a community, what can we do? How do we respond to that? But the challenge is, if we only just continue to ask the questions, if we're only pining for those people who aren't here, then we are missing out on something. We're missing out on the people who are here. And so this is what we see in our passage today. Jesus asked the question, where are the other nine? But the passage doesn't stop there. That Jesus, that Jesus then turns his focus on the one person who did return. I'm a fan, and some of you know the author, spiritual author, uh, Barbara Brown Taylor. Uh, and she wrote this article many years ago that has always kind of stuck with me. Uh, in a former life, uh, well, she still is an Episcopal priest, but she served a local church. And she tells the story about one time when she was serving a midweek Eucharist service. And so she was getting ready with another person, and they went 
they put on the alb and the robes and all the things, and they got an Episcopal church. For those of you who've been to Episcopal church too, it's a little bit more uh, elaborate perhaps than what we do, and so there are certain things that they have to prepare. They got everything ready. They were in the back and the little vestibule there where they were getting ready, putting on their robes, and they came out to the service, and they stood there, and there was literally nobody there. Wow. And so, so what do you do? You go out for a worship service, and there is nobody there. Now, I will confess, if it was me, I would have said, all right, I'm going home. <laughs> but they realized, and they asked themselves the question, well, who is worship for? And so they went on with it. And they did all the things. She writes this. She said, we interceded on behalf of the dead. We proclaimed God's word. We confessed the sins of the whole world. After we had received absolution, we exchanged God's peace. We broke bread. We fed each other from God's table. So they knew that their audience wasn't necessarily anybody who showed up. They were able to figure out and get a sense of, I'm not going to continue to ask, well, why aren't the people here? Instead, they remembered, why are we here in the first place? It is to worship God. And so after they had a little book, they would always write down how many people were in attendance. And she thought about it. She said, well, really, there were two of us. But instead, she wrote the number three down because she knew the spirit was present as well. She remembered I am not here. I'm not going to spend all my time worrying and being anxious about the people who aren't here. I'm going to pay attention to why am I here in the first place and who is here. I'm here. Somebody standing next to me is here. And the Holy Spirit is here as well. And they were able to focus as Jesus was as well. After he asks the question, where are the other nine? And then he remembers and he sees this one who was there. The one who saw he was healed, the one who turned back, the one who praised God, the one who prostrated himself at Jesus' feet, the one who gave thanks for what Jesus had done. Jesus then turns to that one and says, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. We can spend all kinds of time, and I have done that too, of like, worrying and being anxious about the people who don't show up. But I think this passage compels us not only to think about and reflect on and pay attention to and be in ministry to those who are here, but then to ask ourselves, will I be that one, that one who came back, that one who gave thanks and praise and kneeled at Jesus' feet? Will I commit myself to being that one who will come back? And will we commit ourselves, and this is partly for me too, commit ourselves to those being present for those who are here, still having a wide welcome for anybody who decides that they do want to come back? Absolutely. But also paying attention to those who do return. The person who is, in a way, saying, I'm all in here. My rhythm has been broken Sometimes I can't always get there on a Sunday. Sometimes I can't always participate in the things that we do, but I'm going to do what I can to be there in some form or fashion. I'm in, because this community means a lot to me. Sometimes you may have noticed then this person who has the skin disease, also a Samaritan, so often at the margins of society, and he is the one who comes in. So I thought about who are the people that I sometimes put on the margins and yet show me time and time again that actually their faith and commitment is something that I should pay attention to and model. And one person or people I thought about this past week were children. Because sometimes I think every church often talks about, oh, we want children and we want them to be part of our community. But then sometimes we just kind of consciously or unconsciously then put them off to the margins. And we bring them in every once in a while, but then we send them away. And we don't learn from children as well and what they can teach us and their faith lives. And I was reminded of this last week. So when I come on Sunday mornings, I help set up the tables for our fellowship hall. And I was doing that last Sunday. And as I was doing so, R.J. Owen came in. Some of you know R.J., fifth grader R.J. came in and he said, well, it's my job to set up the chairs. I didn't ask him to do that. He said, it's my job to set up the chairs. And I said, all right. So RJ started to set up the chairs all on his own. And he started to talk to me about how good he is in math and all of these things. So we had this really lovely conversation. And so we set up all of the things. And I was in the church office. And RJ came back. Is there anything else you need me to do today? Mm -hmm. wow. That's good. I don't mean to you know, 
cast aspersions. I, maybe there may be one or two of you who have ever come up to me and said, is there anything else I can do for you today? RJ showed me that. He was all in. And when we think about giving financially as well, I thought about there's a, a boy about a little bit younger than RJ. His name is Peter, and he goes to our Edgewater site. And last year, when people were making their financial commitments, and we see the list of people who make their financial commitments, and I was looking to that list, and then I noticed that Peter's name was on there as well. And he had told his parents, this is about eight-year-old Peter, he had told his parents, I want to pledge $1 to the church next year. So we see all of these figures, and then there's $1. <laughs> it was Peter's way of saying, I'm in. I don't know exactly in his eight-year-old mind if he knows what that means, but something within him says, I'm in. I'm going to give a dollar next year. And I will treasure that dollar because of what it symbolizes. Even the children can come and say, I want to be part of this community. It can be tough sometimes when we look around and wonder, there's so many articles, so many articles written by uh, church experts uh, of people who are wondering what's going to happen for the future of the church. I mean, attendance was declining even before the pandemic, and now it's been even more of a challenge. So there's a lot of people in the denomination and beyond wringing their hands, what are we going to do? And it's, it's good to ask that question. But at the end of the day, we also have to make the decision, I'm going to quit asking the question and just say, rather than a question mark, put a period or exclamation point, you know what, I can't worry too much about that. What I can do is say, I'm here, and I'm going to give thanks and praise to God, and I'm going to say in my own way, I'm in. I'm going to set up the chairs. I'm going to pledge some of my funds. I am going to do what I can because this community means a lot to me. Because Jesus has had an impact on my life. Because I have experienced wholeness and healing by being in that community. Amen. And so I'm in. Amen. And so friends, let us begin to think how we might be present and pay attention to who is here. And then on our own, pray and think about how to we might be able to say, this matters to me. I'm in. I want to be a part of this. And there is nothing that any superhero villain can do to stop us from doing that. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, we are grateful for the ways that you speak into our lives. It can be a challenge to be part of a community. And there are days and moments, months, even years, where we just don't feel that connection, and it is hard to be part of that community. But we pray that you would help us to remember moments in our lives when we knew you or sensed your presence or experienced your healing. And we pray that that might compel us to draw a little bit closer to you. Help us also to respond to others so that we might be the kind of place that welcomes people no matter where they are, and they know that they can be here and present and seen and known here as well. And all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We believe that this is good news that we read and take in and know in our lives. And so we respond to that good news in a couple of different ways. We'll be at the communion table today. Uh, but also we give... Um, out of our own finances. And so if today's your first time here in our community, um, that tear off earlier or the QR code that's on the front of that bulletin is a wonderful way for you to, um, to uh, give back. Uh, if this is your community, we invite you to think about uh, giving financially either today, either online, folks watching online can do that as well, uh, or uh, in the plates that will be passed. And also again, just ask that you just begin to pray about two uh, commitments that you might be able to make in 2024. So let us bring our gifts.
about you, but at, at times every day I feel at least a little hopeless and helpless when we read about everything that's going on uh, in Israel and Gaza, uh, everything that is happening now. I don't know if you read about um, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Oak Park has been housing more than 100 uh, asylum-seeking people in their church. Uh, and so they've actually put out the call to other churches in the community. And so uh, I, along with our Good Neighbor team, is kind of, we've filled out a form saying what we would be able to do here in this community. And so, but at times also, I wonder, what can I do? How am I being called to help as a community? How do we respond? One thing that always helps to recenter myself is just simply um, being at table with you here at this space, and also a reminder that even in days when it feels like there is not enough, uh, God provides, and asking myself how we can respond to that. And so we do the same thing here today, and we remember that when Jesus gathered with his closest followers, some of whom also might have been feeling helpless, they had a sense that something was about to happen perhaps, that Jesus might be taken away from them. Who knows the anxiety and the worry and the stress that was on their minds. Jesus tried to help to remind them and assure them that he would never leave them. And by doing so, he first took bread and he gave thanks. And so we do the same thing here today. We give thanks to God even in the midst of scarcity, feeling scarcity, even in the midst of wondering how we are to help, we can also and always give thanks to what God has done for us in our lives. And so we do that here today. Jesus, after giving thanks, he took the bread, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Take, eat in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup gave thanks to God, gave it to his disciples, and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so we remember the presence of God and give thanks to God. We remember the presence of Christ here at this table, and we also call upon the Holy Spirit to be present here and in this place. So we take time now to be in prayer. And so I invite you to... Have this time of silence and lift up to God anything that is on your hearts, whether it be a prayer of thanksgiving or a praise, or whether it is a prayer for healing, questions of doubt, words of anger and despair, words of confession and remorse. Whatever is on your hearts, I invite you now to lift this up to God, and then we join our voices in the prayer that Jesus taught us. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks for being with us, for being present in this space. We give you thanks for hearing our prayers, for offering grace and forgiveness. And we also are grateful that we do not walk this journey alone, but we come alongside others who join us. And so we lift up our prayers not only as individuals, but as community. And so we join our voices in this prayer that Jesus taught us. There'll be a version up on the screen. If you know another version in your heart, you're welcome to pray that. Let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the last of the kingdom, and power, and glory, now and forever. Amen. Pour out your spirit in us. On this gift of bread and cup, may they be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the presence and love and grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Gary, would you mind being one of our... One reason I'm asking Gary is Gary's birthday today. Uh, and so I ask Gary to come forward. And would, would someone else volunteer to come forward and help out with communion? Is, would anyone be willing to come forward? Yeah, Jen? Great. So as uh, Gary and Jen prepare uh, just a word of instruction about communion here in this space. We'll 
Someone will be up front with uh, some bread and we'll tear off a piece and give it to you. And there's, there's a cup of grape juice, so you can dip it into the cup. Uh, and then at that point, you're welcome to either return to your seat for a time of prayer and reflection, or if you would like, we have bowls of sand up here today. And so if you would like to light a candle, uh, perhaps as a way of wanting to be a peacemaker in the world, trying to discern how best that you can live that out, we continue to pray for peace in our world and all of the places where there is conflict, um, whatever this, however the Spirit is moving. And so, friends, this is an open table. All are welcome. All are welcome here in this space to know the presence of Christ. We believe this is a particularly powerful way to do just that. So, come and eat. God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery, for the ways that you work in our world, for the ways that you are present at table in our midst as we break bread and partake of the cup. 
We pray that we might be nourished so that where there is brokenness in the world, we might be peacemakers. Where others are absent, we pray that we might be present. Come Holy Spirit, nourish us and strengthen us that we may go out into the world to be your love. Amen. mind standing with us for one last song. Um, we're going to sing a song called You've Called Me Higher. Um, and I believe we've sung this song together before, so if you know the words, please sing along. And if this song is new to you, join us for a time of fellowship just down the hall uh, for a time of coffee and treats. As you go forth this place, friends, know that the abiding presence of God goes with you this day and always, as does the presence and example of Jesus Christ and the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit this day and always. Amen.